Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. We provide a place of connection, rest, and encouragement for those of you who are on the journey uh, with Jesus Christ as we are. My name is Sister Miriam James, and I am joined as usual by my lovely, wonderful, awesome, noble, beautiful friends. Heather Kim and Mish. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> they give me like five bucks for each superlative. <laughs> Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. And we're excited because we've been talking about a new series for a while now, y'all. And so we are officially going to kick off this series of the four women doctors of the church. So grab your journal, grab your girlfriends, grab your dog, grab your, you know, whatever cup of coffee. Here we go. So, um, Heather, how are you today, my dear? Oh, I'm doing great. Yep, super excited to finally start this series. We've been talking about it for so long, uh, even bef- long before we told you, our listeners, about this. Michelle has had this brewing for a long time. So, yeah, I'm excited to finally start. How are you, Michelle? I am excited also. I am a little um, weary, but excited. So, like, I think I'm running on adrenaline right now because I'm excited about the series. But we've just had one thing after another after another here. We did a hurricane last week. Um, we are fine. We did a hurricane. <laughs> We did a hurricane. And we did a hurricane, and where we are was um, we had very limited um, effect from the hurricane. But those east of us, about an hour, hour and a half, were severely damaged um, mm-hmm. and had many things destroyed. So it's just heartbreaking. Um, mm. So we, it was hard to see those pictures. I saw Father Michael Nixon's parish. Man, that just yes, uh, yes, and it's just um, people's houses, and it's just like it, it's a surreal feeling knowing that you're so close and you did mm-hmm. not. Um, get any damage, but people so close to you did. Like the next day I remember walking around the grocery store thinking my world just returning back to normal, but their worlds aren't. And my bleeding heart just can't handle that. So we're just praying for them. Mm -hmm. And we've had lots of other excitement things like computers breaking and trips to the emergency room and all this kind of stuff. So darn it, this series is going to be awesome. Um, I was like, Lord, what's going on? But um, I have to say, I really kept, I was only in a fetal position once and I really kept like a positive attitude through the whole time. And only said, not today, Satan, about a hundred times. So yeah, but we're excited. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we are excited to finally kind of just open this door. And I like, I want to echo what Heather said here, Michelle, because this has been something that's been on your heart. You've been a mama of this vision for a long time and it's been beautiful to see in a sense it come to birth now. And so we're going to give you kind of a chance to set up the whole thing of how you came about, um, just this the project and just how it just is so deep in your heart. And you've got a, a lot of beautiful merchandise, even at your meaningful marketplace, just so gorgeous. So, but we want to talk a bit about, um, just kind of what we're called to as women, right? So we're going to talk about the four women doctors of the church over the next few weeks. And I want to talk, uh, first of all, about a quote from Pope Francis. And he says this, uh, which is really an echoing of something of St. Francis of Assisi, but here's Pope Francis words where he says, the thing the church needs most today is the ability to heal wounds and to warm the hearts of the faithful. It needs nearness. It needs proximity. I see the church as a field hospital after battle. It is useless to ask a seriously injured person if he has high cholesterol and about the level of his blood sugar, because you have to heal the wounds. Then we can talk about everything else. So heal the wounds, heal the wounds. You have to start from the ground up. And I think especially as women, when we speak of nearness and proximity, um, and, you know, kind of on the field after battle, you can think of nurses, which, you know, I think, Michelle, you found a really beautiful picture of, of women nurses in Normandy during the World War. And so 
um, yeah, just really beautiful. So I just want to give you a chance, Michelle, would you just explain to our listeners kind of how this series came about in your heart and what, what your hopes are for it as we delve into it? Yeah, it was, it was about a year and a half ago almost, and I was thinking about the state of the church. And this was even, gosh, we had already gone through the 2002 scandals, and I was just l- lamenting over the state of the church, and this is before all these scandals broke out. Mm. And I was just talking because there was a lot of people that I knew and that I was close to that had been hurt by the church and have been hurt just in different scenarios. And I was really um, thinking about the power of women and the power of women in the church and really the feminine genius. I think it had right to do after we finished the feminine genius series, the podcast that we had done. Um, and I was thinking about it and I was thinking about doctors and I was thinking about the four women doctors that have come to the church and the doctors are who heal us and how distinct the four women were. And the next day I was flipping through like a history channel or something. Cause I'm not a big TV watcher. And they had a documentary on the nurses in Normandy in world war two mm. and how they were the real heal- healers. And they were the ones that on the men that were on the front lines, but these women were right beside them. And these were the ones that would whisper into their ear, you know, that everything was going to be okay when they were dying. And they were just all these different stories. And I mean, it was like feminine genius, you know, like on double, you know, big, major, big mealed, extra large, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is what it was about. And I was like, okay, this is the call of women right here. We are the ones that are in close and proximity proximity and we are the ones that are in the field hospital and then we have to get our hands dirty and then the sister Miriam and I went for a walk and I think it was last December and you asked me this question and you said to me if or maybe when we were in Vancouver I can't remember you said if you do one project this year if you have one dream this year one project what would it be and um it was funny because I'm usually one that asks her the questions and not vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at her and it just came out of my mouth. It was the four women doctors of the church. We have to move on this. Mm-hmm. And then the scandals broke. And when the scandals broke, I was like, oh my gosh, if we, the church is a field hospital and a hot mess, like never before it is right now. Mm-hmm. And um, just the grieving. And if it wasn't for these four women, and I have to say, a little Flannery O'Connor to you to Stein. Sister. And Heather, Heather yeah, Kim. Yeah, of course. Well, that goes without saying. She's the, she's the fifth doctor of the church, Heather Kim. Don't tell her, but yeah, that's kind of what we're doing. That's because she reads so much. Kind of what, oh. yeah, Dr. Seuss, more like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, we love you, Heather. Um, love you. Oh, so great. But it was those women, and I came across a writing of St. Catherine of Siena, and she was talking to her confessor, um, Raymond of Capoa. Is that how I say it, sister? I would say yeah. Capua, but that's okay. Yeah. Good. It's okay. okay. <laughs> He's Italian. You say tomato. That's I say fine. Tomato. Anyway. Everybody, <laughs> sister's like, me and, the, me and the rest of the world would say Capua, but go ahead, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, she was talking to her spiritual director, and she was lamenting over the church and the state of the church. And when you read about where the church was in St. Catherine of Siena, we're going to talk about that, the state of the union of the church in the world, it was even graver than we are now. And that the Lord had given her a mystical vision, and he said that the persecution of the church is going under now. Um, but there will be a great renewal and exaltation. And he's, and she said, the Lord promised me that beauty will be restored. Mm. And it, I was reading those words, and it was one of those times where, like, you are like, okay, this is the Holy Spirit, and this is our uh, mantra, and this is our battle cry, and this is a promise that we are holding on to. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's any coincidence. It's not. I think it's divine intervention that St. Catherine of Siena and St. Teresa of Avila were made doctors of the church 
by Pope Paul VI on St. Francis of Assisi's feast day mm, mm. to rebuild the church. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is any accident that Pope Paul VI was just canonized a saint, mm-hmm. you know, a few days ago. And so the Lord knows. I think there is a re, um, just a battle cry for women that we need to become house of prayers and we need to be become warriors mm-hmm. all at the same time. We need to be women that pray and that women that really learn how to fight in the spirits and be warriors because we're at mm-hmm. war, you know. And so we really wanted this series when Heather and Sister and I were talking about it almost to be like a spiritual boot camp, you know, to really where you have Lectio Divina, we have Examine in the evening, and we have um, little excerpts from these saints' writings, but a spiritual boot camp for all of us to become um, our own homes, to become houses of prayer, and to become like a spiritual boot camp for all of us. And um, I'm excited and convicted. I always love it. Not like a challenge, but something bigger than me outside of me. Like it always inspires me. Like, okay, and that a group of women are doing this together. Like this is what, and what Pope Francis says in that last thing, it has to come from the ground up, you know? And that's where true transformation happens. It's organic, small groups of people committed to the greater good, Mm -hmm. you know? And I love what you're describing, Michelle, is just like we're on a journey together as we begin this. I hope that our listeners feel a part of this with us, that we're entering into a, a little bit of a journey together, a spiritual journey together, as we look at these four women doctors of the church and allow the Holy Spirit to inspire and move in our hearts as we hear about their lives and reflect on different things. And we begin to ask questions of ourselves about how can we um, restore the beauty of the church? How can we come into deeper communion? How can we begin to root out any coldness and hardness of heart so that we can be more disposed to the movements of the Holy Spirit in our daily life? And and the way that we can do that is, yep, we're going to listen to the podcast together. We're going to have discussions together. We're going to journal on our own. Um, and then, Michelle, you have these beautiful prayer journals that you've um that you've created. And if people don't have them, they can still get the download the PDF um, that you can find on the website. And, uh, and that's a way for us to journey together prayerfully, you know, as we all are kind of going through this together, we're praying together, uh, even though we're not all in the same location. So I I love this whole journey that we're about to begin. Mm -hmm. So do I. And I love Michelle. Also, what you're saying is that we have to weigh women of prayer and women that are warriors. And I think that's what we see in these four women. So when we talk about St. Catherine of Siena, we talk about St. Hildegard of Bingen, we talk about Teresa of Avila, we talk about Teresa Little Flower, Teresa of Lisieux. I What I love about, one of the things I love about them is they're all so vastly different. Mm. And amen. Like I just, it's, I just, it makes my heart glad. We're not celebrating four women who are all the same. We're celebrating four women who are all doctors of the church, but who are radically different. And you'll find that maybe one of them speaks to you on a deeper level than others do. But these are all women. What I when I look at their lives and you see the ministry and how they manifest Christ's love is is different in certain ways. But at the heart of all of them, they're lovers. They're just they are women who are passionately in love with Jesus Christ, and that love is broken open and poured out in their hearts to the world, and it changed the world. So I think, you know, many times we look at our lives and we say, well, I'm just one person. I'm, you know, I live here. I'm, you know, I'm, we say that phrase, you know, for some people, like, I'm just a mom. Like, what can I do? And the answer is everything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Everything, all of us, the, the deeper we allow Jesus to encounter us every single day is the degree to which our lives are transformed and his love is made manifest. And that's what the world is thirsting for, an encounter with the living Lord Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So, Amen. 
that's and that's why we're here y'all so i don't know if we're not doing that i don't know what we're doing <laughs> you know, so. what are we doing yeah exactly. <laughs> so maybe we could talk a bit about what a doctor of the church is and so for those of us who maybe aren't familiar with that title or we're not really sure so i'm just going to give you a standard definition uh if you look up doctor of the church here's what it says it says it's a title right a title given since the middle ages to certain saints whose writing or preaching is outstanding for guiding the faithful in all periods of the church's history so you see, you know, from the beginning of the church, the fathers of the church, you know, Gregory the Great, Ambrose, Augustine, St. Jerome, and then um, more recently, the, the four women as well. So people that who, you know, not are just saints, but whose writing or preaching is just something that's timeless, right? That's a particular gift to the church and to the world. So when we're looking at people like today, we're going to talk about St. Catherine of Siena and her soul, right? The beautiful gift of her soul, who was a writer and a preacher, right? She had many secretaries, you know, the, who wrote for her and, um, but her preaching what an outstanding guide for all of us. So maybe we kind of just, y'all want to put it, you want to say anything else before we kind of dive into who she is, St. Catherine, ladies? Yeah, I think the only thing that I would say is that, like, we have to be reminded that just because there's these four women that are set apart or, you know, these other doctors, male doctors of the church that are set apart, it's not that there wasn't other people that had outstanding preaching and were, you know, pivotal in the world. It's just that these are held up specifically as witnesses that we can look to. And mm -hmm. we don't have to have titles, you know, to be holy. That's not what we're going for as a title. And, and the beautiful thing is that none of these people were either. Mm -hmm. This was not what mattered to them was getting a title. They just totally lived the gospel well, and they pursued Jesus with every ounce of their being. So that's why we look to them as an example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So when we talk about St. Catherine of Siena, one of the, I think, more famous saints, um, I, she's my girl, y'all. I just want to say that she is my absolute favorite. I love her and born in Italy in Siena. And, you know, it's funny because we talk about the church, you know, needing to be a field hospital and sometimes the church needs a hospital. You know? mm -hmm. And so you look at what was going on in the, in society at that time. And I think all of us, you know, we look at the church today and we look at some of the scandals or we look at some of the corruption and we say, oh my gosh, this is pretty awful. We would be shocked if we lived in previous times, especially like the time of St. Catherine of Siena, where the Pope doesn't even live in Rome. He lives in Avignon. And later on, you know, the other Cardinals will elect somebody else as a Pope. It's just crazy. And they are suffering from the black death from the plague that has wiped out a huge percentage of the people. I mean, so this is a society not only on the verge of kind of like, you know, medical collapse, but also spiritual collapse as well. And so what God does is the same thing he does every single time as he raises up great saints. And so in that time, I love it. She's born on March 25th, right? The Feast of the Annunciation on, um, 13 in 1347. And she is y'all. Okay. So you two are moms. She is a twin and she's either number 23 or 24. I just about her passed mom. out. <laughs> I just about passed out when I read that. I was like, okay, her mom, she's also a saint. Apparently, yeah, I mean, like, having 25 kind of children, mom. like what the, I have three. I'm like, what? Oh gosh. Yeah. So her mom was 40 years old when she gave birth to Catherine, who was then interesting that she's a twin. You just kind of think of God's providence in that, but her twin died. And I, the thing is, is half their children had died. You know, it's very, you talk about infant mortality back then where children, you know, many times kids died very early. Um, but Catherine survived and actually her mom had another child after them and child number 25. But I love one of the things that it says about Catherine. And I think that's something that marked her is probably something very charismatic that people liked about her is that she was so joyful. 
um, that her family used to call her by a Greek name, Euphrosyne, which I love that as joy means joy. And so uh, even as a little girl, you see, and I think Heather or Michelle is going to talk about this, but you see Christ as he does with all of us. Christ is pursuing her. So she, she's clearly somebody who's set apart. She has a vision of Christ uh, as, at a very early age, and she sees the apostles Peter and Paul and St. John sitting with the Lord. And at seven years old, at seven years old, Catherine at that moment decided and vowed to give her whole life to God. I was eating a Jolly Ranchers at seven. I'm not sure what you were doing at <laughs> seven years old, but. <laughs> yep. Yep. Playing with my cabbage patch kid, I think. Oh <laughs> gosh. Yeah. And so she's, she was a beautiful girl and she actually, just, I love her fire. She was so intent on giving her life to Christ and her parents were, you know, opposed to kind of all the things she wanted to do, even as a young age, she actually cut like, her parents had set her up with somebody that she did not want to be with. And she actually cut off all her hair. Like she had a gorgeous hair. She cut off all her hair. So nobody would find her attractive. And I'm sure her parents were just, you know, <laughs> like fit to be tied. And so she goes and she has a kind of a, a hermetic stage where she's by herself as a teenager. She has like three years where she's like a hermit and God calls her out of that. And just, she has, she has these incredible mystical visions. And what happens is this intimacy with Christ it creates a huge reservoir with her. She doesn't mm-hmm. minister out of a place of need or a place of personal fulfillment, so to speak. She ministers out of a reservoir of deep love for Christ. And that passionate love, that spiritual motherhood, that intimacy as a spouse marks her whole life and sets her on a path of preaching, writing, mentoring, healing. Oh my gosh, she's raising people from the dead. Like, I mean, that will mark her life and change the world forever. Okay. So there's my little kind of setup of her. So Michelle, do you want to talk a bit about Christ pursuit of us and in a particular way, how you pursued St. Catherine of Siena. Yeah, I think going back and I think um, one of the things that we really wanted to do in this series is to make sure, yes, these women were amazing and they have these majority of them, all of them have these mystical experiences with the Lord and the Lord pursued them, but they were still women. You know, they were Mm -hmm. still normal women and they're women that God pursued. But I think we have to remember that God does amazing things through surrendered people. Mm, you know, mm. and they kept on saying yes. They kept on saying yes to him and they kept on. And I agree. Yes, Lord gives some, you know, um, gives favor and graces, but it is not like he loves one more than the other. That is not how our Lord works. I think it's when people respond to his favor and grace. If you respond, like if your hands are open, then mm-hmm. and you take everything that he has, then he's like, oh, and you don't like grasp or close them. He'll be like, oh, they'll receive more. I mean, we see that like in the parable of the talents, you know, and stuff like that. And I think that is one of the amazing things about each of these women, you know, mm-hmm. um, they each love. But she was just sold out. And I mean, the Lord appeared to her. I think she was six or seven when the Lord appeared to her with her brother. And the first vision was as Christ as the pontiff as the Pope, like Christ appeared mm-hmm. to the Pope, accompanied by Peter and Paul and evangelist John. And it was, and she talks about, it was one of the defining moments of her life. But I was thinking about that and even reading about the other doctors of the church that we'll go to later, like each of them had amazing experiences when they were young, especially St. Therese of Lisieux. But they each had amazing experiences the young. And I think the Lord comes to us when we are young and we were a child. And what were those childhood dreams What stuck out to Mm -hmm. me is what were those childhood dreams that the Lord gave us that we have buried, that he has stirred in our heart? Like for her, Christ appeared to her as the pontiff. That dictated how she was, her love for the church, her love for the Pope. I mean, this woman loved the Pope, loved his Mm -hmm. office, Mm -hmm. loved priest. 
Didn't and she Lord, call him like Papa or something like that? The Pope, mm-hmm. like she yeah. had like very in, like a total endearment to him, an endearment mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. And so, and that stirring came when she was young. And I think there's something about like we talked about in our dream podcast. There's something about when the Lord begins to stir us in a young age because we don't filter things then, you know. We don't filter it through our logic. We don't filter through other things. Like he plants those seeds at a young age on how he is going to define us and what our mission and our call is um, to her life. And I just, that was something that really stood out to me about her. Yeah. I think something that, yeah, something that happens when we're young, I, I agree with you, Michelle, that we, we just have a different level of openness when we're young. We're not, we're not as jaded, you know, often when we're young. And I think spiritually we're more attuned to, um, to what is happening in the spiritual realm. I know that's part of my story, um, being, uh, having deep experiences with the Lord, but also, you know, negative spiritual experiences just because I was young, I was susceptible. I was, um, there's a different kind of openness that's there. And, and I think what begins to happen for most of us is that as we encounter, uh, maybe good things. We're also encountering bad things in our childhood. And that begins to filter like how we see God and change the lens that we look at God through. And this is one of the things that I admire about St. Catherine of Siena, that so true. she didn't have it easy. You know, as you said, sister, half of her siblings died. A third of the population is dying from the Black Plague. Like how traumatic must that have been? And then there was all of these other things that happened to her. And even times where, where she felt like God was really distant from her. Um, and she, she pressed in deeper, you know, instead of running away or pulling back, she went in deeper. And, and that was one of the beautiful things that I, the beautiful fruits of Catherine's Mm. life is that she didn't stop. She just kept pursuing the heart of God. And so I think there's something very special about for us to go back to those early places and say, Lord, where were you in these young places? And how can you restore um, my view of you and, and this original sort of like innocence that, that I, that I came into the world with. I think those are good questions for us to begin to mm-hmm. ask. I also love, I love what both of you are saying, and I love Heather, what you're talking about where even when she hits the suffering, cause she suffered that girl suffered as she suffered spiritually, she suffered emotionally as she had times in her life where she was all by herself, like you're saying, I mean, the friends that she had gathered around her, you know, inevitably failed her at times. And, you know, she just, you know, it's easy to kind of look at some of her amazing, amazing spiritual manifestations of having such beautiful charismatic gifts and say, wow, her life would be so awesome. But she, that woman incredibly suffered because her life was conformed to her beloved and and Christ is one who suffers. Right. And so she's raised into his resurrection, but her life is so intimately one with his that he shares everything with her. You know, I just think, you know, you think of friends and I think we all have friends in our life, people that we love that are, that we can share more or less than. And I think we've all had that moment where we're, but we want to share something with a friend and we ask ourselves, could they bear this? Mm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I, if I invited them into this place, could they bear it? Would they be able to hold the weight of this? Would they be able to walk with me here? And I can't help but think of Christ looks at us the same way. And how his desire as a beloved is to give everything to the other. And he looks at us and says, could she, can she bear this? <laughs> you know, I want to become more mm-hmm. united with her. Can mm-hmm. she bear this? And, and Catherine, because as you're saying, Michelle is so heart is so surrendered and so open. Um, not perfect. She's not perfect. No, but nobody, nobody's perfect, but her heart is so surrendered and so open. She was able to bear so much of what Christ wanted to share in his beauty and in his sorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we see that on earth, we find it captivating, don't we? 
We do. We find it captivating and we find it like there was something about her that was illuminated because she was so surrendered, you know, with her relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord. I mean, I even love her writing the dialogue. You know, it's a dialogue. Oh, it's yeah. a conversation between two lovers. You know, I mean, yes. she was completely captivated for, you know, by who he was and who she was in him. And one of the quotes that we put down is she says, I long to see you so totally ablaze with loving fire that you become one with gentle first truth. And I just love that. Like you become totally ablaze with gentle first truth. And that first truth is like knowing who he is and knowing who you are in him. And we're talking about restoring the beauty, like we're restoring the beauty. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like if we talk about the church, where do we begin? It it looks like a mountain, you know, it looks so big and so vast, the problems. So where do we begin? We begin with ourselves. Like we have to have personal reform in ourselves to restore the beauty in ourselves. And I asked Annie, the girl, one of the girls that I work with and um, I asked her and I said, what does your femininity look like restored to you? And she's like, you can't ask me that kind of question before I have coffee in the morning, Michelle. <laughs> <You know? laughs> say, say that again, Michelle. Say that again. That's really beautiful. Say I said, what does restored, your restored femininity look like to you? What does restored femininity oh, wow. look like to you? Because if we are as women and we are the brides and we are helping the bride of Christ, the church, be restored, we personally have to be restored in our femininity. And it's just really making me, and that is one of the reasons why we divided the women, the series up like Catherine of Siena is the soul, Hildegard's the voice, Teresa of Avila is the mind, St. Therese is the heart. Because I feel like as women, we um, disintegrate our, we compartmentalize the different parts of who we are. You know, our mind is one way and our body is another way and whatever, because we're doing so much that we, we are not really integrated people. We are not integrated women and our beauty doesn't shine forth, you know. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? You know, I'm just posing the question. I don't have the answer. And I mean, that's like when I tell you we are on the journey with you, we are on the journey with you. We are preaching to ourselves. I don't know. And I'm like, and what Catherine of Siena talks a lot about her writing, she talks about the foundations having to be broken down. You know, like St. Francis of Assisi, the Lord, when he appeared to him, when the state of the church, you know, the foundations have to be built, rebuild my church. He saw his church completely falling apart. So I think part of us, and I, you know, I hate to say it, but I need to say it, is for all of us in this, when we're praying to the Holy Spirit, it's like there's going to be parts of our foundation that have to come up, you know, to be restored, you know, that have to be broken down to become, you know, because the question again, what does restored femininity look like in each of us? And it's going to look different, you Mm -hmm. know, for each person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, we have to orient ourselves in the story. This is something that I find I have to do a lot personally. And I also teach a lot about if we don't know where we are in the story, if we don't know where we've come from, what is happening in the story and where we're going, it's going to be very hard to navigate questions like this. So Michelle, as you ask this question, there might be some people going, I don't know. I I have no idea because we haven't sat and pondered, but we don't quite know where we are in the story. And I think it's important to note, like we are in a world at war. We are there. And, and not just as the world, but personally, you, there is a war going on 
you know, where the enemy is after you and he is trying to tear away like your femininity and the things that are supposed to be glorious in the world. And, and so that you don't have the impact that you could have for the kingdom. And, and that's something that we have to begin to reflect on is how has the enemy come in to seek, kill and destroy things in my life that God wants to use to build his kingdom? Because Mm. things that happen aren't just random in our life. You know, yeah, of course there's little things that happen, but, but there is a story going on and there's intention. God is intentionally pursuing your heart. And also the enemy is also trying to weave a story into your life that is pulling you away from the heart of God. And I can see this as I was reading through St. Catherine of Siena's life, I could see, yeah, she had all of this death around her. She had moments of suffering. She had times where she was being tormented, you know, with temptation and um, negative like images and things like this, where she felt like God was so far away. And what she could have done was make a decision right then and go, God doesn't love me. He's not with me in this. This is hopeless. I'm just surrounded by all of these negative things. But what she did say is, Jesus, where were you? And just that question, it it says there's an aspect of trust still in her heart. Where were you, Jesus? And he answers her, Catherine, I was right within you. I was within you fortifying your soul with grace. Mm. And I think that we also need to ask that question, Jesus, where were you? Like in all of these places, because we will find him in every place where we felt assault in our past. Jesus did not abandon us. This is the truth because he's faithful. He's good. He is kind and he never leaves us ever. Amen, and, girl. and this is Amen. where we can begin to, to experience healing. And that's what I see in the life of St. Catherine of Siena as she was tormented. She asked the question and God speaks truth to her and she's comforted by that truth and then dives deeper into intimacy with him. I remember personally going through a time of really incredible suffering in my life. I was being assaulted in all of the places that are the hardest for me, especially safety. That's a big thing for me. And so my identity was stolen. Somebody broke into my car. There was all these things whirling around. There was disruptions in relationships. And I felt like it was just an assault from all places. And I remember driving in the car and I get to a stoplight and it just, I came to my senses in a moment and I could see the assault was from the enemy. And I remember saying out loud, are you, are you having to go after me this hard because I'm supposed to be that glorious? And it was this revelation to myself of God has a plan for me and the enemy is after me in this, you know, then of course the next day I was afraid again. I went, no, forget it. Forget what I said. Take me (laughs) off your radar. I'm sorry. (laughs) These are things we have to grow in. You know what I'm saying? But I love that St. Catherine of Siena is a strong example Mm. for us in that. That's a good word, girl. That's a good word. I I love in one of her letters, um, she talks about the soul and she talks about that thing about loving. And she says the soul, and I think for women, especially, you know, that's what a woman is. She is love. Is she not? She's active receptivity. She's, she's beauty. She's gentleness. She's wisdom. She's fierceness. And, and she says this, the soul cannot live without loving for we must love either God or the world. And the soul always unites itself with what it loves and is transformed by it. Mm. So, and how many of us as women in our broken places just say, I'm not going to love anymore, or I'm just a silly woman. It's, I'm just too emotional. Like all the things we say, but the soul cannot, my dear sisters, our souls cannot live without love because we're made for it. So my question really is, and I ask myself often this, what am I loving? Mm. What am I loving? Mm. 
you know, and I think if we look within, we find a variety of things that we love, but you know, what is, where is Christ? Like you're saying, Heather, where is Christ calling me to, to, to true love, to pure love? Because then my life is ordered correctly. And then my life takes on a vibrance and a joy and a radiance that it's intended to. Mm. So, you know, as Michelle's asking us, you know, kind of what does restored femininity look like? And I'm pondering her question. My question is also like, what, what do you love? What do you love? Not just like, I love Instagram. I love lattes, but like for real girl, like, what do you love? What burns your heart? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? What is your life ordered toward in reality? Mm. Like, what do you love? And that's what St. Catherine says. Our soul always unites itself with what it loves and is transformed by it. Mm. And the more that we allow Jesus to pursue us in those places and to come very close to us, we're transformed by him. We're transformed by love mm. himself mm-hmm. and our souls burn brightly mm-hmm. in that fire. It's awesome. I love that when you're saying like, what does she love? And just piggybacking on that is like, she spoke the truth in love to so many different oh, people, amen. like yes, to the Pope, including to the Pope, the Pope to get back yep. into Rome. Yep. I mean, she oh had bold words for priests, for Pope, yeah. for bishops, yeah. but, but for her spiritual children. But I was thinking to myself, do we have those kind of relationships and conversations in our lives? There's such a beauty to that time. And I love the letter writing, like that they wrote these beautiful letters mm-hmm. to one another, mm-hmm. that they wrote these letters, you know, and she wasn't even educated. She learned how to read and write, I think at age 20, something crazy like that. Like the Lord, mm-hmm. like she was literally mm-hmm. taught by the Lord. She was literally Holy Spirit infused because she was surrendered to the Spirit. But she spoke the truth in love and she was never condemning she was always convicting, but she called out people's truest identity. Amen. Like she called out, especially like to priests, bishops, and the Pope. And I think that is something for us to lean on. If we are criticizing the church more than we are praying for her, we're not in our right position. Our hearts are not in the right place. Mm-hmm. We're not speaking the truth in love. Mm-hmm. You know, I am not saying not to hold people accountable. I am not saying that. Like there are some actions that have to be held accountable, but are our words in love? Are they for conviction to, you know? And are we praying for our priests and our bishops and our Pope? Like really praying, not just giving it lip service. Oh yeah, I pray for the Pope. I mean, I'm totally convicted Mm -hmm. of that myself. You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. Sister Miriam and I were talking just before we started recording about this, this, this thing, the power of her words, how fiery she was and how people Mm -hmm. were transformed, you know? And I think that a lot of that comes from her hidden life. Exactly. You know, it's her hidden Mm -hmm. life with Christ. Like you can't just, at first we might go, well, what did she say? What were the words she said? Like, maybe I could talk like that. No, it's not about that. It's Mm -hmm. not the words she said. It's like what God did with her words and with her personality and with her influence because she was so disposed to him. So sister, I would love to hear you talk about that because that's one of your favorite things about St. Catherine. (laughs) Yeah. We were talking about our favorite things about her and, and I, yeah, I love that girl preaches fire. Mm. And I, you know, it says in one of her biographies that when she would preach about repentance and God's love, people were cut to the heart. They were so convicted that she traveled with a team of priests and those priests, because people's hearts were so, just so convicted and so moved towards repentance, they would line up to go to confession so much that the priests would complain (laughs) because they, I mean, they, the people were lying. I'm like, her heart was so, and I I really do believe what you're saying, Heather, because it wasn't like a mathematical formula of words. It was words, but Mm -hmm. it was her heart and people know intuitively when truth is spoken and they were captivated by her so moved by her portrayal and her revelation of Christ's love that they couldn't help, but unveil their souls to God himself. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I, yes, I, I love, I mean, it is all from her interior life. I'm convinced of that. It is her day-to-day intimacy with Christ that powered such a, such a powerful ministry of preaching. Mm-hmm. And you know, so often as speakers, like we all speak, you know, and you do, you want to write their great talk and you want to do like, but I think, let's be really honest. I think most of us miss the mark because we don't totally. understand that it's out of order. Yeah. Yeah. You have to spend time writing a talk and you have to research, but you better spend twice as much time laying on the heart of Christ before you do anything else. Absolutely. You know? yeah. I mean, seriously, do our quotes need to be Instagram worthy or do they need to be conversion yeah. worthy? I mean, come on. It's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think for all of us, we need to go, if we want to be players in this in this beautiful story that's happening right now, or, and we are in a time of crisis, and it is messy, but if we feel like God is calling us to help restore the beauty of the church, we need to get our house in order inside. Yeah, Because that doesn't come by standing on a platform and pointing out everybody else's problems. It starts with a restoration of, of within, you know, mm. of allowing Jesus to come close, of paying attention to our disorders, of the ways that we are, that we are missing the mark of the ways that we are falling short of the heart of God because our our passions are going elsewhere. You know, these are the things that need to be restored within us so that we can bring restoration. It comes from the inside out. And that's what I love about St. Catherine. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. ask yourself and like, okay, where do I start? This is where you lean in. You do the different practices that we've talked about, the Alexio de yes. the examen. You s- do the next right thing. You just start. Mm-hmm. You just start. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes that we provided, it says from St. Catherine of Siena, it says, he will provide the way and the means such as you can never have imagined. Leave it all to him. Let go of yourself. Lose yourself on the cross and you'll find yourself mm. entirely. It's just mm. that surrender. It is that mm-hmm. surrender, that next right thing. And when I try mm-hmm. to make it so hard and figure out the 10 different steps that I need to do, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work when I just surrender and let me be present to you. You know, one of the things that we are going to start with is, you know, Lexio Divina. And whether or not you got your journal, please still just journey with us. And we'll provide the scripture that we're using. We're using one scripture a week. But my challenge to myself and to um, all of us that are journeying together is, let's get into the word before we get to the world. Like before Mm -hmm. we check our Instagram and our Facebook and our Twitter in the morning, let's let this word take root in our minds. You know, mm-hmm. and as we said in the prayer um, podcast, and at the last bit of our night, let it be our last thoughts be of Him and examine how we're growing mm-hmm. closer to His heart and how we're in His embrace and how we can see His gaze. You know, and those are our challenges. And when I tell you this, I am preaching to myself. You know, Amen. I am preaching Amen. to myself. I'm like, oh, you know, um, yeah. And Michelle, you did a beautiful job of laying that out in the journal. And that's, you know, it's just a tool. Like many of us have different tools. Different tools are going to work for different people. This is one tool, um, but but you're invited to join us in that. Also, you know, we have our private Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, please find us. And there's discussions that are happening there that we would love for you to be a part of um, as we pose different questions. So, yeah, you don't need the journal. You can continue to journey with us and, and uh, participate in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Michelle, did you want to talk about that scripture passage for the week, where can our listeners find that? Or is that a standard one? Or is are you asking people just to find one and kind of journey with it? No, there is one in the journal for each week. And the okay. one for this week is Ezekiel um, prophesy over dry bones. Can you do you have that one? Do you have it? We, so we can give people I close my journal. It's Ezekiel 37, one through seven. Okay, so Ezekiel 37, one through seven. And through so seven. that's yeah, 
That's the one we're going to journey That will be our scripture. That will be the one that we journey through this week, um, just every single day, Alexio Davinia. We'll post that in the show notes. Those of you that have the journal, it is in the journal. And um, and the reason why we just kept with one scripture for the whole week, because I want that one scripture to take root. I don't want you to move on. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. Uh, one of my spiritual directors did this to us for a while where he would only let me do one scripture a week. And I'd be like, I want to do a bunch more. But it was interesting because every single day when I would go to pray with that one scripture, something else would pop out. Something else would be illuminated. Something else would come. You know, the Lord would speak to my heart. And like we said before in the prayer section, you know, we want scripture to be not for information, but for transformation. And these scriptures, we are hoping that the Holy Spirit will transform something in your heart. That the root, the word will take root and the world word would transform. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It says something especially that if it's a morning practice for you that you can just chew on the whole day and just continue to watch it unfold. Um, yeah. Should we pray? Y'all just want to pray? Let's just pray for a second. I just, yeah, let's do it. Lord Jesus, we come before you just as we are, all of us as as followers of you, all of us. Just wherever we find ourselves right now, we just come into your presence. And we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the wonderful witness of Catherine of Siena. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that for each one of us at this very moment, you would illumine just one thing. What's the next step? What do you want us to know right now as we talk about Catherine of Siena? What do you want us to know about ourselves and your love for us? I just pray, Lord, that you would You would speak a word to each one of us. I pray that for those of us who are fearful, those of us who feel overwhelmed, Lord, you would give us the courage to continue. I pray for those of us who have fallen down, that you would give us the courage to stand back up. And I pray that this week, in a special way, St. Catherine, that you would intercede for each one of us. They would intercede that our hearts, too, would be aflame with love for Jesus. That we would be given words, bold words to speak, and bold actions to serve his people in love. We just thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the many ways that you provide for us. And we ask you, God our Father, to watch over us as your children in a very particular way this week. Order our steps, guide our hearts, guide our minds to seek your Son always. We thank you and we praise you. And we make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, well, my I, we went a little bit longer than we usually do, but I think I don't think anybody minds. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we do have a couple minutes left. Maybe we could talk about our one thing. Um, so I'm um, Heather. Do you want to talk about your one thing for the week as we journey here? I do. Yeah. So a couple weeks ago, I had the pleasure of spending the weekend with our good friend, Father Dave Pavanka. He was here to do a men's retreat with my husband, Jake. And, um, he and the 4 PM media guys have just made this beautiful movie about the life of St. Francis of Assisi. And it's so appropriate for this time um, as we're talking about restoring the church and and renewing the church. Like this movie is gorgeous. It's stunning the way that they videoed it visually. It's amazing. But the content moved me so deeply. There was several times that I was in tears watching this. Um, and so it's just being released right now, uh, as you can get it for like a group of people or at your parish or something like that. And I'm sure soon enough, it will be available for individual download or rental or something, but, um, I'm going to just put the, the link to see the, the trailer. 
and hopefully people who are interested can can look at that and especially at your parish it's um it's really really good mm. it's not cheesy so yeah it's <laughs> that's really a bonus good. So i'm so <laughs> proud of them yeah oh man i was i was just so proud of them so yeah good job 4 p.m and father dave that was amazing how about you michelle what's mm-hmm. your one thing Oh, you know, I don't have one. I have two. So it's just the State of the Union. I think the first off is um, Brother Isaiah. He's part of the Franciscan Friars, The Renewal. His new album is coming out. I think it just got released today or tomorrow. But um, he has a song called Love Song for the Bride. And it is just an perfect song his album new album is beautiful he's got like that funky jack johnson sound i just love his voice and his music but um yeah the song's called love song for the bride and like i'll just read you a part of a lyric it says zion you're a princess you're a bride but you don't seem to see it on the inside i see you running after so many lovers just to find yourself alone and uncovered mm-hmm. beat down strung out so unsatisfied with all the masks you wear and all the tricks you tried i see you running see you stumbling you're falling down and then the other part is like look up gorgeous bride of the most high your king is here and he's leaving on the inside mm. it is just an amazing song it is like just like they said it's just like a bomb to the heart mm. um, and that is called love song for the bride by brother isaiah and then um also a good friend of mine shannon and she has the catholic rosary company that's called choose life and it has like the chewy rosaries that little kids can you know chew on i love them oh, but great. she also has rosary bracelets cool. and um she gave me one of the catherine of st catherine of siena ones oh, oh cool. it's called st catherine of bracelet but i love it because it has a movable charm on it so it's a wrap around rosary bracelet that you wear and it's a gorgeous bracelet but it has a charm and you can move the charm as you're praying the rosary so i've been wearing it for the last couple of days and i'll start like my rosary and like we'll end like in the middle of like the second decade and then i'll put the charm in and then i'll pick it right back <laughs> up oh, that's cool. i love it Cool. It is. And so it's a really great way to pray throughout the day. And so, and I just loved the St. Catherine of Siena one. So, mm. yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. So, sister, what is your one thing? Well, I had the very distinct privilege of going to Poland uh, just last week on a pilgrimage that changed my life. And maybe one episode I'll talk about that a little more. But my one thing for the week is the Divine Mercy Shrine. Uh, where St. Faustina lived and where there's a relic of her and the place where people gather to pray for mercy. And the day before we had gone to Auschwitz, which wrecked me, like absolutely wrecked me to the core of my being. And just seeing the darkness of of what happens when uh, our lives are shattered and broken and how we inflict awful suffering and evil upon one another and to be able to take that and then bring that and then just bring so many intentions from people and in my own heart of areas where I still need healing and forgiveness to bring that to divine mercy shrine. And we just happened to be there at three o'clock in the afternoon. And it was, the church was totally packed and totally silent. And at three o'clock a bell rang and everybody knelt and prayed for mercy. And it was absolutely gorgeous. So that that Divine Mercy Shrine, I'll post a couple pictures that I took uh, squished in the very back there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so... Dang, yo, Poland, land of saints, land of warriors. That was amazing. So, oh, that's so beautiful. shout out to all the Poles out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, so well, thank you so much, listeners. We're, we're just getting started. So, if you love this, you're in for a great treat. So, we're just starting with Catherine of Siena this week, and we'll go on to the other doctors of the church in the weeks to come. 
If you enjoyed this episode, would you please share it with a friend? If you can go to iTunes and leave us a review, leave us a rating that helps us get the message out. So the more you can do that and encourage your friends to do that, it just helps us all the more. If you want these show notes with all the reflection questions and the, and everything we talked about, if you want that email to you, you can send an email to abiding together at ascensionpress.com. So that's abiding together at ascensionpress.com. They'll email them to you, or you can go to the Ascension Press website. You can find them um, there as well. Or if you're listening to us on an iPhone and you're listening to us in the podcast app, the show notes are underneath. As you scroll down, you can kind of see our one things. You can see our discussion questions. And uh, so anything else you might want to know, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at the same web, uh, web email address and we will uh, receive your your thoughts and your, your prayers. And I just want to say thank you to all of the listeners as well. So... We're very glad to be with you, our Biting Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. And until next week, dear friends, rock it, y'all. We'll be abiding together. God bless you.